0: Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you doing today? How are you? Yeah. We are a week away, huh? Christmas is next week. That's phenomenal. Just even now begin to think about who you're going to bring in to Chair City Church, your church, into this building this Christmassy, December 23rd. We just have a ball that... Um, Sunday morning, what we call our Christmas service. We have so much fun in here and laughter and inspiration. Truly, I'm telling you, invite your friends, invite your family. The kids are up here, the, the worship team, which sounded fantastic this morning, didn't they? I mean, they've been tweaking and working on the sound. I mean, it's clearer and louder and better than ever. Who knows, maybe I'll even get up here and sing sometime soon. And if they can sound that good, maybe I can sound okay, right? But really, just, just just invite your friends and family, you know, to, uh, you know, we'll be closing out this series that we're in now on that morning. And in this series, we're calling the Songs of Christmas. We've been looking at popular Christmas, if you will, songs out of transcended the ages. And we've been reading the lyrics and pulling out a spiritual meaning out of each song. And, you know, we, today we're going to be uh, looking at a, a classic, you know, O Holy Night. Uh, it's my favorite Christmas carol. You know, they have Christmas songs, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Jingle Buzz, and that's fun. It's awesome. And you sing them in my house. Christy sings them way too much. But she really likes singing these hymns. And hymns are kind of where we, you know, they're sure, they're fun and there's some festivity due to tradition. But really, they're, the Christmas carols uh, were written... Uh, for, for us to worship God, for us to adore God in the lyrics. You can see that adoration, that heartfelt worship of God in the words. And O Holy Night is my favorite Christmas song. Now, when I was uh, you know, looking into the meaning and learning about the meaning of this as I uh, was preparing for the sermon, I realized kind of there was a, a connection of the meaning of O Holy Night to a little bit of my history, especially in my early on when I was coming into the faith. Uh, so the history of the song and how it came to be to tied into my life early on. So about 25 years ago, December, might have been this week, but really, literally, if not this week, last week, uh, to December night. And it kind of, I don't know if I call it a holy night in my life, but it, yeah, it was, a, it was a really meaningful spiritual night that uh, really uplifted me and, and has always stayed with me. Uh, from then till now is a demonstration of the presence of God and and just God's faithfulness and and hope, you know. And so I'm leaving Christie's house in Newington, Connecticut. It's probably I don't know 11 o'clock at night, somewhere in, maybe near midnight, heading to uh, back to Brooklyn, New York. And I'm traveling on a you know a, a busy main road where Christie lived there in Connecticut. And I see this guy walking along, and he you know maybe I don't know if he's stumbling a bit, but yeah, he, you know. He, He seems out of sorts, and he's by himself, and he's walking along the road. And so right away, you know, I see it as an opportunity to live out my faith, and I was looking. I mean, I was probably like eight, nine weeks into faith in Jesus, and I'm really always looking for opportunities to do good, because I had been done bad for so long, and I'm looking for ways now to live out my faith. And when I do that, it really kind of energizes me. It it does so much for me. Every time I do it, I feel closer to God, and I feel better about myself and, and this world. So for me, it's just, it's like a treasure. I'm on a treasure hunt to live out my faith, and here's this man walking, and and I turn and I pull over and I ask him if he needs a lift, and he's like, like, sure, yeah, okay, and he gets in the car, tells me if I could drive him a few miles up the road, and I'm like, okay, and we get to talking, and, and uh, you know, clearly within a, a few words, I realize the guy's drunk. He's intoxicated. He's gone, man. And uh, we get to talking, and, and let me just the gist of what he's saying is that you know, uh, you know, he knows he's drunk, but he you know he lost his wallet, he lost you know everything, and he lost his wallet. He has no money, but that you know, he's going up the road here. If I could drop him off by the woods, because he's going to sleep in the woods overnight, get up in the morning, and then in the morning he'll go to the gas station right there, you know where where near woods is, so he could wash up and then go see his kids in the morning. Him and his wife have divorced, and now, you know, he's he's going to gonna see his kids in the morning, and that's what he'll do. So sad, right? Uh, and so, you know, and then we keep talking some more, and he starts to tell me, you know, I know you probably don't think much of me, but, you know, I'm actually a pretty good guy, and, and, uh, And I'm thinking, well, I'm not thinking good or bad of you. I just want to be good to you, be kind to you. I have faith in Christ, and I want to give you a lift. He goes, no, no, really, I'm I'm a lot smarter than this, he says, you know. He goes, you know, hey, actually, I write poetry. And he's like, yeah, my mom was a really a famous poet or a well-known poet, and she gave me the gift, and, I'm, I, I, and, and I write poetry, too. He said, you want to hear something? And I'm thinking, no, I really. I just, it's like I'm tired. I don't want to hear a drunk recite poetry in my car. I like, mean, okay, all I want to do is give you a lift, man, okay? To, I just want to feel good about me and God, and, you know, and just want to give you that. No. But, you know, he, so he starts reciting poetry to me in his drunken state. And actually it actually was pretty good. I mean, uh, I didn't understand half of what he said, but, it, but I did hear it was pretty good. So, uh, and then I went and I, uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I dropped him off and, uh, you know, to where he was going to go. Uh, I actually turned around after I dropped him off. He went in the room and I wanted to leave with something. I I wanted to leave him with something, you know, from scripture and, and uh, you know, I, I, it's a long, it's an incredible story. Really, I, I wound up leaving him, uh, you know, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 12 and 13 and uh, it was just off the cuff and that's because at the time I didn't know much of the Bible and, and what I did know was you know about Paul speaking in Philippians about you know this one thing he knew was leaving the past behind and not focusing on the past but pressing on towards the future and taking a hold of what God had taken him a hold of for right? And that was actually in Philippians 3. <laughs> and, and so I gave him 4. When I got home, I opened up my Bible, t- looking, looking, I got to Philippians 3, around on 13, and I'm like, oh no, I gave him the wrong verse. Now you can really give some people some ugly stuff if you're giving the wrong scripture in the Bible. And so I'd actually never read Philippians chapter 4, I never got that far. And so I flipped through quickly to 4, and man, and there it is, you know. I know what it is. I've known what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be in need. But this I know, that I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Man, that was like the perfect verse for that guy. The guy's telling me how he's been better than this, and he's had great moments, but he suffered. This was the per- I mean, how did I do that? I mean, it's a thick book, right? There's a lot of words in here. I gave this man the exact word. He's probably thinking this dude's a Bible scholar. <laughs> really, I'm just an impatient taxi driver. And it just, that, it just lifted me so much. I'm thinking, wow, I gave this guy hope. I did. I, I didn't just give him a hotel room. I paid for the hotel room. I took him to the hotel. Oh, by the way, I didn't let him sleep in the woods. You know, He impressed me so much with his drunk poetry that I decided to give him a room for the night. So I took him, I took him to the uh, motel close by, and I paid for his room, and I put him up in a room. He didn't ask me, but I did it. And then I'm thinking, you know, more than giving him the room, I gave him hope, and, and how did I do that? How I, Come on, it's, it's how? I, I, in that moment, it, to me, it could not be a coincidence. There's no way of every line, of every, I gave him exactly what he needed to hear. And I said, man, that's hope, and that's God. And it was a very meaningful night for me in my very short relationship with God at that time. It just kind of emboldened me to just trust in God, to turn to him, that there's nothing I would do of him Uh, Where I would not feel better about myself, and it it was worth so much more than anything I could do apart from him, yes? All right, so, yeah, so how does that, what does that have to do with Holy Night? I don't know, but okay. Uh, All right, so here, here's what it has to do with Holy Night. I hope it connects, I think it does. So the story behind Holy Night is that, and how, is that it was written in the mid 1800s. You see, this Catholic priest wanted a, a Christmas poem to be written to Luke chapter two, the words in the Bible where it describe, describes the birth of Jesus, that first Christmas night. So he asked a local French poet named Placide Capot, and I don't know if I butchered that, you French people, but it is what it is. So the interesting thing is Placide was, wasn't a Christian, but it's not only that he wasn't a Christian, he actually had a poor reputation, kind of like a hellraiser, a drunk guy, a troublemaker, right? But he needed a few books, so he writes, you know, didn't have nothing to do with God, guy but he writes this poem to Luke chapter 2, right? And he, when he was done, he liked it so much himself that he asked another friend who also wasn't a Christian, probably a drunk guy too, right? He asked him, hey, could you put this poem to music? I think, you know, I really dig this. Well, the people, when they heard it, liked the song so much, it became very popular very quickly amongst the, amongst the Catholic Church. And then, after, and then a short time later, the leadership they realized, whoa, they realized who wrote the song and who put music to it. They're like, look, we got to get this back. We can't have this out there. We got, the, the, you know, these dr- I, my drunk poet, like you know, guys like my drunk poet wrote the song. That's how I connected it, okay? It's really, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> so really, so this guy who writes all oh, holy night, he, he, he's this guy who's a, a trope-making, non-believing, drunkard guy. So I'm messing, up, I'm messing this song up for you too, right? Actually, I think it's fantastic, right? Well, they, they couldn't pull it back. It, had become, it got so popular so quickly, the people loved it. It just went. And it still goes, you know, it's still going to, uh, you know, and singing amongst us today. Now, interesting thing before I kick on into the message, I'll get there, is O Holy Night was the first song ever played over the radio in 1906. Um, it was named Reginald Festenden. Canadian professor, another French guy, uh, goes makes a makeshift kind of a thing in his garage. Gets out a violin, reads the words from Luke chapter two regarding the birth of Jesus, and then plays "O oh, Holy Night" over this makeshift thing. And it's the first song ever played over the radio, AM radio, in 1906. Pretty cool. Let's let's read the words to "O oh, Holy Night." Let them sink into your heart this morning. Really, uh, just consider as you're reading them and come to a place of worship and adoration to, uh, to God, to Jesus. O oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is a night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. I even want to sing when I read those words, right? I want to focus right now on a few words. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. The weary world, those two words. Look, so many of us here today, so many people in this world, we're weary. We become weary, right? I mean, there's, and you could be weary because there's pain and difficulty. I walked out of a hospital early this morning before coming here today. You just feel the weight of walking through that ICU ward, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of pain and difficulty. You could be weary because you know you might not be in the midst of tragedy or in immediate suffering, but you just you're carrying so much. There's so much to do just to keep this thing going, right? Exhausted mentally, sometimes physically. There's a weariness. There's, and there seems to be so much less support community understanding, maybe now more than ever, intimate relationships. It's By the way, it's why we do what we do here, the way we do it, our strategy is to bring people together, why we built the building the way we did, with a lot of open spaces, if you've noticed, and food and couches, so that we kind of try and facilitate people to come into community to help one another, to, and in you know, order to help each other, you gotta know each other. Why are we doing what we're doing tonight? Aside from that, I really am gonna be thrilled you know, to see the Steelers crush your patriots today. No! <laughs> it is nice to dream. Okay. But but I, I also like to hang out with you. I like to get to know you. And, and I see it happening. You know, really, second only to Tom Brady getting sacked, because you know how much I I enjoy seeing that, is, is watching you hang out together and start to talk to each other and just connect and bump into each other. It, it's just... It's the beginning of community. And how I know that what's being formed there is greater than what you think is happening. It's not just two people suffering their face over pizza. It's a year from now, two people really being there in a moment in their life when they needed each other, huh? Or, or people resourcing themselves to help one another. This is community, right? And it, I just toss, I tossed that out here. So come tonight, hang out, bring your kids, join us. It's not that we're short of people. I'm getting, you know, we have a great crowd already, but it's just about you building community in your life and, and tapping into this one. The song also says this. It talks about a weary world, but the song also says there's this thrill of hope. You get me, say with me. Say thrill of hope. In the midst of all the discouragement and the difficulty, the weariness, there's this thrill of hope for those who trust in God, for those who believe that the Jesus, the Messiah, has come into this world. And today I'm believing that this message, whether you're hearing it online during the week, whether you're here today, that in the midst of difficulty, pain, sadness, confusion, weariness, weariness just in you within you, weariness in your marriage, your relationship, just weariness in life, that in the midst of all this, you have this sense that there's this thrill of hope because Jesus has come into this world. In the midst of the chaos today, you can find a glorious Christmas morning. And the song speaks to the chaos of the night. It does. It speaks to the chaos of the night, sin-charred world, but then it speaks to this new and glorious morning. I just want you to feel today in the the depth of your being that it so floods your soul, be filled with hope, and be filled of a new glorious morning, a new you. And the new and glorious morning exists because Jesus changes everything. When Jesus came into the world, it changed everything. Even if you're an atheist, when Jesus was born that day, if you don't believe, it changed everything. It changed the course of human history. Jesus come into this world changed you and it can change you this morning. And I want you to really deeply just think that and then feel that and let it pour out of you in actions and spell out into your life and your relationships and the way you see this world. So I want to give some attention to this new and glorious morning. The phrase there in the song. And I want to go back about 586 years before that glorious night when Jesus was born. A a time in history, a dark time, a painful time in the history of the nation of Israel. Where the Jewish people, they're they're devastated. They're taken into captivity by the Babylonians. What does that mean? The Babylonians came in, raided and plundered their cities and where they lived. Killed many of them, took all their belongings, took those that were still living and brought them back to Babylon, and here now, the Jewish people, those who survived, they've, they've been taken to a foreign land, loved ones have died, they're, they're apart from their place of worship, they've lost everything, and in some cases, everyone. And in all this darkness, God raises up a, a prophet, a man named Jeremiah. The prophet is someone God chose amongst the people to speak his word into their life. And Jeremiah writes in the book of Jeremiah and, and, and then in the book of Lamentations, he writes what God has given him to share to the people. But he also writes what God is inspiring him to share about what's going on in him, what he's thinking, what he's feeling. And in, and, I, and in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes about how he's weeping, how he's crying, he's hurting along with everyone else, with what's happening. He's pouring out his heart, which is full of hurt and despair. And then in chapter 3 of the book of Lamentations, actually, we see this kind of a, a bit of a switch, an introduction to us of a, of a different way of thinking, where Jeremiah moves from mourning to a moment of, of faith, of, of hope. He says this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering. A pain, physical, emotional, wandering, homelessness. The bitterness and the the gall, meaning just deep down wounds. Anger. Verse 20, he says, I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. The deepest of depression. He's going through a dark time. And he's not glossing it over. He's not attaching any, attaching any platitudes or cliches to it. He's not running away from it. He can't get away from it. It's life. It's crushing him. And then in Jeremiah, in Lamentations, verse 21, Jeremiah writes, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What is it yet? Hold on. Hold everything. What is he calling to mind? Verse 22, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We will not be consumed by our circumstances, by although very real, but very temporary circumstances. It says, for his compassions never fail. Verse 23, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Some of you are worn down, beaten down, weary, Jesus can bring you hope this morning because Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. I want to toss out a few things, steps you can do to experience a new day of hope with Jesus this Christmas season. First, I want you to remember God's faithful love. Even when you're in the deepest and darkest of times, even when there's seemingly, when logically, intellectually, all you can add up comes to a negative in your heart and mind. Remember God's love. It reminds you this. If you remember God's love, it will remind you that there is more to life than what you're just experiencing now. There's so much more. Jeremiah Jeremiah said, yet, yet, there is so much more to life than what I'm experiencing right now. Yet I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What is Jeremiah calling to mind? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. God's love has not ceased, it has not ended, and it never fails. Jeremiah is saying, you know what? I, I, yeah, I, yeah, hold on, hold on, Wait as the negativity is pouring into his brain, as the pain is coursing through his veins, as the thoughts of having to go on in life now without this and without that. Hold on. Yet, wait. Hold on. As his self just pours pictures and images and thoughts of all that's happening, and, and images and thoughts of what the future will be like because of all that's happening. Yet, hold on. Wait. Wait. And Jeremiah digs deep, and, in, and perhaps in the crevices, and the recesses of his brain, he pulls out this truth. God is faithful. He brings to the forefront of his mind, of his thinking, God is faithful. God cares for me. God loves me. And that doesn't end, and that doesn't cease, yes? I will have hope, because I remember with God, new comes in the morning. There is hope. Today, remember that the faithful love of the Lord does not end and it does not fail. Thinking that darkness is all there is, is a trap and deception from the enemy. Thinking that difficulty is all there is and it won't, is, is, this, is a trap from the enemy. What you can think is redemption, that what you're in the midst of, no matter what it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter, that God will work through that and will raise you up and will glorify himself through all of that. Even right now, God will be there for me. That reckless love, He's done it. He will tear things down. He will move mountains. He will love me. I remember who God is. Jeremiah says, I remember who God is, and I will have hope. I'm going to experience a new day with Jesus, a day of hope with Jesus. So I'm going to remember God's love. And then I'm going to trust God to provide what I need. Now I didn't say what you want, right? Because what you want is different than what you need. You're gonna want to, well, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave the steal of patriot thing alone. I'll push it to the side. <laughs> Look, you must trust that God is gonna give you what you need when you need it. I, I, we see this so often in people's lives. There are certain times we we want this, we want that, and you know, and 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 then it doesn't happen then. It happens at a later date, and and you think, wow, it's so much better that it came into their life now than then. Because really, looking back, they really weren't prepared for it then. And by having to wait, look what happened in their life and, and what took place and how they matured and changed and situations evolved. This was really such a beautiful time for this. God will give you what you need when you need it. You deeply need to believe that to stay the course, to have hope, to remain in a faith, to live out faith in a vibrant way. Going back to verse 24, Jeremiah says, I say to myself, I say to myself, just pause again. You see what's happening there? Connor will revisit and say it in a different way here. You see what's happening? I talk about this a lot with you. You hear me use this term narrative and inner narrative. And, and, this, and, and as I, this is going on in Jeremiah's head, all the negativity and, and what he's thinking and what's happening of what could be and, and, and of course, is going to be because that's his perspective of all the negative. And what he's saying to himself, it's depressing him. It's discouraging. Yes, it's real. Yes, it's true. Bible tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge God. Acknowledge he loves you. Acknowledge how great he is. Acknowledge how powerful he is. So what does Jeremiah do? Well, in 24, verse 24, it says, what he, it says this. It says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Jeremiah says, Jeremiah's self is pouring all these negative thoughts into his mind, creating them, cultivating them, you know, creating emotions that are rising up in him as a result of all these thoughts. And what does Jeremiah do? He talks back to himself. Right here again. I brought you David did this in the Psalms, and here's Jeremiah. He said, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. You've got to look in the mirror and you've got to speak to yourself. Yourself does too much talking. Don't listen to yourself. Speak to yourself and speak the word of God. Speak God's truth, speak God's commands. Tell you, that, Jeremiah says, "The Lord is my portion; therefore, I will wait for Him." And what he's saying here is, he's kind of kind of actually talking back to verse twenty-three, with God's faithfulness and His compassions and mercies are new every morning. So when he says, Jeremiah says, "The Lord is my portion." He's going back to a time in the history of Israel, as some of you might be familiar with, where the Jewish people were in slavery in Egypt. Moses comes, leads them out, and now, just fast-forwarding it, they wind up wandering in the desert. And, and there's no food, and they're going hungry, and then God opens up the heavens and pours bread, what we is known as manna from heaven. And it's pouring down, and the Jewish people are collecting it, eating it. But then they want to store it, but it can't be stored. It will only last the course of one day, and then it cannot be eaten. And then the next day, it starts up all over again. And what God is teaching the Jewish people is to rely on him every day, day after day. A new morning, a new day to trust in God's provision, right? And that's what Jeremiah is saying is, you know what? I don't know what tomorrow is. I've lost everything. We've lost everything, our home, the people we love. Can't worship in it. Can't. I, all I know is God is my portion. He's got me through this day. He is with me, and he will be with me tomorrow, and I will wait on God in the morning. And that's what I'm telling myself. I'm not going to tell myself all the negative that will be. Forget about even could be. We just, we just go, right, it's going to be. I'm not going to speak to myself about all the hurt and pain and and the bitterness of what people have done against me. I'm not going to go there either. I'm just going to get up in the morning and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to remember God's love. I'm going to know and trust that God's going to provide for me today. And that's what I'm going to tell myself. I tell myself, I say to myself, God is here today and God will be there tomorrow. If you want to think about the future, okay, tomorrow God will be there. Right? And he will provide. God is what I need in all areas of my life. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Right now, as I'm struggling to get by, God will be strong in me. A day with Jesus brings you what you need. His strength, his power, his compassion, and his love. I am going to experience a new day of hope with Jesus. i remember God's love. I will trust in the provisions of God. And I will depend on God for the hope to keep going on. The thrill of hope that we sing about in O Holy Night. This is the eternal hope for this world. In the midst of a weary world, there is hope. If you go back to verse 25, we go to verse 25 of chapter 3 in Lamentations. It says, the Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. So I've heard this. I don't know how scientifically true it is, but it sounds really good. It says human beings can live without 40 days. Uh, they can live without food for 40 days. Some of you can't live without food for four minutes. So you <laughs> I hope the people next to you got, got a kick out of your extra loud laugh there over there human beings say we we can they say human beings can live without food for 40 days they can live 8 days without water they can go 4 minutes without oxygen but they can't go a second without hope now i do know this that truly and i know this personally not not only that what, what i'm saying what i've experienced but what i've seen people experience in their lives that when hope is ultimately extinguished people no longer have a desire to live uh, uh, hope is so crucial. It, it, it's kind of like air. It, it's just there to certain degrees. When people really lose hope, it's it, 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 and to the degree it's a devastating thing. And to the degree that they have less hope, it really does weigh them down and and just yeah, and, and bring so much despair and depression into their life. The thrill of hope. Some of us. To some extent, we have given up on hope. And what I mean by that is we, it's not like our go-to thing. We don't, we don't go to hope. As we begin to think about the days and weeks and years ahead in our life and our children's lives, our, we, we don't go to hope. We go to worry, right? We go to, to what's not going to be there. We, we, it just is a tendency, I think, many of us can do that, maybe all of us. But we want to go to hope. We want to see this world as a world that was changed when God came into this world and wrapped himself in human flesh and was born that glorious Christmas night and hope shouted out. And we want to see our world and our life through that lens of hope. And we want to be able to bring hope. You see, if if you're not filled with hope, it's hard for you to bring hope. huh? Honestly, and I say that... I've just, from early on, when I came to faith, I just wanted to bring, I just wanted to be kind, which, by the way, is a, is a struggle for me. It's not easy for me to be kind. I'm not kidding you. I, I, wanted, I wanted to bring peace. That's hard for me, too. I love, I mean, really, I'd like, I love, throw me in conflict. But I'm, I want to bring peace, and I, I want to bring hope. I mean, last night, Chris and I were driving home, and a, a, a young man who we ministered to in the city there, in New Britain, he, he kind of called me, and he, he left a message. I called him back, and he's he's in he's in Indiana now, and he's 37, and, and he's um he's um he's going for, he's gonna be a doctor any week now. He said it's very soon. He's finishing up his clinical rounds, and as he's talking, I I can see we're just getting wow, and he's just telling us how much we meant to him, and and, and that when he we he when we came into his life, how he just tells people over and over that God brought. A, a pastor into his life when he was nowhere and virtually homeless and, and what that meant to him. And, and, and really, you'll hear me talk about when I came to faith, how I went and I went and got a woman and her children out of a shelter and, and put them into a, a, an apartment that I owned in a building. And I told you about the drunk poet. and I was always looking for ways. I just wanted to bring hope. And I was able to do that as I look back because I had hope now. Like when I was looking at you know, Philippians 3, three, pressing on, moving forward, not looking back. Hope, 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 hope. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be closer to God. Hope. You know, uh, Friday, Christmas tide. What, what a wonderful evening. I mean, I don't like to use words in a, what's the word, hyperbole? Is that the, you know, I used to say it wrong. I, I just don't like, I'm telling you, it was a wonderful evening. It was such, it was an inspiring evening to be there. And it was a ton of fun. And I didn't do anything. You did it all. I was there, but I just took it in. I mean, to see people having fun, to see people enjoying that, to to see us serving people in our community. But in the midst of that, um, someone came over to me and said, hey, uh, hey Dave, I want you to talk with this lady. And I went over to her, and she was standing there at a table. She got up, and she was there with her and her five grandchildren. And just as life has evolved, she's now kind of taking custody, is caring for these five children, five little children, her five grandchildren. And she tells me that she has muscular dystrophy. Okay, so i got muscular dystrophy, one child, two, four, and I've got my five grandchildren that I'm caring for. So I'm physically really in a tough place. I'm pretty confident that she's financially in a tough place, and she's got these five grandchildren. And in so many words, she's sharing how wonderful this night was and how much she's so you know it was tough for her to get there but she's so glad she came and how wonderful it is for her family and I'm just saying I love my church you are phenomenal thank you so much for your giving for your serving for baking for cleaning for serving for everybody who was there for your prayers for your giving it's an investment of funds to make that night happen. Thank you for your giving. You just glorify God and all that, that this woman, you know, you brought hope by your trust and your love and your giving and your serving, your praying. You're an instrument in God's hand to bring hope to this woman that night. Maybe we'll see her again. Maybe she'll come in here. Maybe she won't. All I know is in that moment, we who have hope in God, huh? Brought hope to others, yes? And that's a beautiful thing, and I just wanted to just just float your boat and just do something wonderful in you today. You can bring hope when you're filled with hope. Now, when we, and what happens is it, you can live there and keep feeding that beast like I do, you know? Because it, it, just, it just keeps bringing so much goodness into my life by doing it this way, this cycle. Or you can put your hope in other things, which I truly believe, and I believe the Bible teaches us, would be the wrong things to put your hope in, which really brings you to a place of survival, scratching to get by, getting to the next place, only to really have the same mentality. What are you putting your hope in? What are you leaning on? When we put our hope in things other than Jesus we become weary people in a weary world, right? We don't become people filled with hope and a light and darkness in a weary world. We become more weary like the world we're in. That's not how you want to live out your faith in God. That's not why Jesus came into this world, huh, for you, that you would survive and more resemble the weary world and, and, and deeply weary people without hope. You are God's hope in through. You are are plan A for God, right? That through you he'd reach this hurting and broken world and that they would come to know Jesus and come to know the hope that you have. Live out your hope. Shine your light. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 23. It says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. They're talking about Jesus now. Let us go right into the presence of God. The high priest in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion, only the high priest could go into the holies of holies and go into the presence of God. But because of Jesus come into this world, wrapped in human flesh, that glorious Christmas, and because he gave his life, that you and I can come into the presence of God right here, right now. It says, since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. No regret. No measuring yourself on what you haven't done, what you should have done. Right? No, I could be this better. I should be this. But praise God, I'm not the person I once was. Yes? That's a bit out of Martin Luther King there. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Here it goes again, Hebrews 21 through 23, chapter 10. For God can be trusted to keep his promise, we will hold tightly to the hope that we have. Grab a hold of Jesus this morning. Know that when you do, you're grabbing a hold of hope deep down. Lean into it, embrace it. The problem some of us have, some of you have just never done this before. And I believe as I'm talking to you right now, you're gonna do, you're, I am going to take a hold of Jesus today. I'm a, I, I never believed in God, I doubted God, whatever. But today I'm going to take a hold of Jesus. Some of you, you, you take a hold of the hope in Jesus with one hand, but you hold on to anxiety to depression. You hold on to the thoughts that feed your anxiety, to the thoughts that feed your depression. You hold on to the thinking of what you have to do to keep this going. You're holding on to those thoughts of what was done, of what happened, of bitterness, of gall, of affliction. You're holding on. One hand there and one hand of hope. And inevitably, you let go this morning. And with two hands, hold on with all you have to the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Trust in God's truth. Lean into God. This morning, before I came here, and I got to finish this up, I, um, I went to Haywood Hospital to go respond to a phone call I got yesterday about a young man who's in ICU. And uh, he's very ill. He's, he's, he's doing terrible. And uh, as I'm driving over there, I'm thinking, you know, okay, so I've not met these people. I don't know them. Um, got no background here. And I don't know the details, but this young man is clearly in a, in a terrible state. They've called me in to talk with the mother. What am I going to tell her? What would you tell her? I don't know. Maybe he's going to die today. Maybe he's going to die in a few days. Maybe he might not die, but what what, what do you say? And all I keep thinking of is hope. And not, oh, oh, hope he's going to get better. I don't know know if he's going to get better. And I'm not that type, that's not my theology. It's not how I preach scripture and teach scripture, because I don't think that's what it says. He might get better, but he might not. But how am I going to tell about hope? A way of hope that it's going to be well with her, that her soul is going to breathe again, that her soul is going to be strengthened, that she'd be drawn near to God and her soul would well up in her and be well, because that's what she needs right now, right? Hope floods your soul. This morning, let hope come into you. Let it it give you a new day this morning. Let it, let it, you know experience Jesus today by truly surrendering to him with the with the understanding that it is going to bring health to your soul that the more you trust in Jesus and you do so not as we talked about last week but trying to allocate in your head some for the you know some for me some for Jesus but I mean a wholehearted surrendering hope I am going to hope in Jesus this morning, and as I do so My soul is strengthened. Jeremiah says this. Remember, well, I say this, the song says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Wait. Seek God. Wait on God. Seek God. Verse 24, Jeremiah says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Seek God this morning. As you sing this last song, just seek God. The Son of God is risen. That's why the sun shines, because the Son of God is risen. And one day when Jesus changes everything, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. I pray this moment that you will know that today. For those who've not known Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that today you will come to that place. You will cry out to God, I need you. I need you. Oh, by the way, I want you to. I want the hope that Jesus gave me when he came into this world. I know you're here with me right now, here. I know that you've made a way for my sins to be forgiven, meaning for me not to. Not only not, I don't have to live in the past. I don't have to carry the past. I can now live in hope. For those of you that have believed in Jesus this morning, live from your hope. just live from that hope not one hand on the past and on your thing but, but two hands on hope and look for the opportunities to pour that hope out into the lives of people around you and know this each one here today know remember that God loves you you came in here today and you did not know Jesus you want to take that connection card And there's an area on the back that says, I am starting a new relationship with Jesus. I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus. For those, first time coming to Jesus, turning your life over to him, trusting in him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, check check that box off. And as you do so, know today is your new and glorious morning, and you're experiencing the thrill of hope, and the best is yet to come. Come on, it is, isn't it, right? okay and for those who've been kicking this thing around for a year 10 years 30 years man today the day you realize man am i living from hope is my soul well do i have two hands on hope am i telling myself every day every morning every morning i get up and i'm not living on yesterday; i'm living today that today i will seek god for my portion and i will begin by telling myself i remember god is faithful he loves me and there is hope yes God be the glory. Have a great day.